Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 686 for the 24th of Tishrei in a regular year. In 2007, a reporter for the Washington Post named Jean Weingarten had a really interesting idea for an experiment. And the way that he described the experiment is he said that the experiment was the was to be an experiment in context, perception, and priorities as well as in public taste, like kind of like what role does context play in terms of public taste and our perception of different things. And to do this, he set up a very well-known violinist, a renowned violinist uh, named Joshua Bell, who was a concert violinist. He had won won awards, Uh, typically seats, like good seats to see Joshua Bell play at a concert uh, cost about $100 just to give you an idea of the status of this person. And what he did is he had him play in a subway station in Washington, D.C. And he wanted to see if, you know, if the context would matter, if people would recognize this guy, if, you know, even if they didn't recognize him, would they notice the outstanding level of his playing and that kind of thing. And what happened was, for the most part, people did not. Most people passed by, thousands of people passed by that day and of the thousands of people that passed by, only about 20 gave him money and he collected a little over $32 in total and only six people stopped and stayed for a while. There was one woman who recognized him and she gave him $20. So even the one person that recognized him. So if you take her out, that means he really made only like $22 um, aside from her. So yeah, so really the experiment was a very fascinating study in context and perception and how sometimes uh, literally a virtuoso violinist can be right there in front of our eyes, in front of our ears, and we totally miss it. Something beauty, it can be there. Something very profound, very beautiful can be there and we miss it. Interestingly, to me, the thing that stuck out the most about this experiment is the one person who paid the most attention to this violinist was actually a three-year-old boy, believe it or not. And so this three-year-old boy saw this violinist and was mesmerized and his mother pulled him along. Uh, but the kid didn't want to leave and he kept standing there and he kept staring at this violinist. Um, but eventually the mother pushed him away, but the child continued to turn his head the whole time while he was walking. So I find that fascinating. You know, sometimes children are really the ones who notice things, who perceive things in a more pure way. It reminded me of the idea of that if you have a question about a letter in a Sefer Torah, if the letter is correct or not, then what you do is you actually ask a child because a child is unbiased. The child is pure in in their vision. They're not going to be distracted by kind of like 
adult intellect and concerns and stuff like that, you know, like the context for, in this case, in the sake of the experiment. So I thought that this story was a really, really good thing, good way to help us understand what we're going to be learning about in Tanya today uh, as an analogy for our relationship with God specifically in terms of our relationship with God while we pray. So we've been learning the past few episodes, if you've been following along, about this idea of prayer, the divinity that we draw down, the revelations that happen when we pray. We talked about this in particular in terms of when we have 10 people together, that 10 Jews that come together and pray, and how this this brings the Shekhinah to come down and dwell upon them. But we also mentioned the idea that even an individual who prays, they have this individual connection with God that actually will seep into their soul. And so what the ultra is going to be talking about today, and this is a new epistle that we're going to be learning, is really about recognizing this and how he's very saddened at the fact that people do not recognize this, that people's senses are adult, just like those subway commuters uh, who w- missed the virtuoso violinist. It's, it's a similar idea that people don't recognize what they have right in front of them. And he said, like we already spoken about, we already spoke about in previous episode about the idea of speaking frivolously and that the uh, the the altar rabbi was very upset by this, by people speaking frivolously in shul, in synagogue during prayers. But here he's going to say that even not only frivolous talk, but even talking about things that are having, have to do with your needs, you know, things that like are necessities of life, like whatever it is, things you have to do, plan you have to make during your life and things like that that really are things that are it's not a problem to talk about these things but it is a problem to talk about them in during prayer and in a in a place of prayer because this is like this is a very sacred place and it's 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 uh it's missing it's like those commuters that are just like going to work and busy with themselves and they're not seeing what's right there in front of their eyes so I get it. You know, I mean, a lot of people are busy. I get busy too. It's like you go to work, you're, you're on the way, you're in the subway, you're rushing around or whatever. But, uh, but the fact that of the thousands of people passing by, only six out of the thousands of people like, like stopped to listen to him. Like really only six of them were not rushing like crazy to be able to take a few moments and listen to this violinist. So that's the idea here is really to like the ultra is basically pointing out to his chassidim, pointing out to us, like, how could you be involved in your worldly affairs, in your personal affairs, when you have God standing there right in front of you? And he actually likens God to a king, that it's just like a king who might have a specific time when he lets his subject come and stand before him and show him his greatness, his splendor, and his glory. Uh, then this is this is a similar thing of the time of prayer. It's an auspicious time for us to see the splendor of God. So yeah. So that being said, let's get into the text and see how the altar of it explains all of this. For context, we are beginning a new epistle, Epistle Twenty Four of Igeras Hakodesh. We're going to be learning the entirety of Epistle Twenty Four today. And so the altar of it begins with tears of endearment for his chassidim. He says, "My beloved ones, my brethren." He says, "Please, I beg of you." Those of you who are beloved to your maker and hated to your evil inclination, do not do any wrong. So basically, so he's kind of setting them straight. He's saying basically like, you know, God loves you. Your evil inclination does not. So you should be oriented in that way. So he says, you, uh, such a person who is, uh, who is beloved by God in this way, meaning his followers, he sh- a person should not make themselves evil before God during this time during this hour that God chose 
for the entire day, meaning the time of prayer. So meaning that we should be especially mindful during the time of prayer and that this specific time of prayer, this, this auspicious time of prayer is the time when everybody congregates and stands before God at this time, which is an auspicious time to reveal for revelation to come into what's called the Mikdash Ma'at, the miniature sanctuary, and to visit the Shechina, the, the glory of God's indwelling, that about which it says, Hashochanitam betoch tumatam. That's, uh, that's from Vayikra chapter 16, verse 16, that God's Shechina dwells with us in our impurity. So this is like the part of God that's very close to us. And this becomes, this is a time when we can connect to that space. And this is, and this, the Shekhinah is accessible to those who search for him and seek God out and, uh, and ask, and ask things of God and yearn for God. And if during that, this time, instead of focusing on God, a person starts talking about their needs, it's, he's showing that he has no interest in meditating on the greatness of God and, and the revelation of the greatness of God. And he actually becomes, God forbid, a, uh, a chariot for impurity and for the supernal fool it's called what's the supernal fool the supernal fool is the is the klipa that's the husks that conceal godliness about which is written in mishle chapter 18 verse 2 the fool does not desire understanding so this is the fool here he's referring to the klipa he's saying that this klipa doesn't want understanding it's like a fool as as it is written in the Zohar and the Ariz and the teachings of the Arizal of blessed memory, that this uh, that this klipa is, ref, is referred to as a fool, meaning to say, why do we call him a fool? Because he doesn't have any desire to meditate and to look at to perceive the the preciousness of the glory of God, of the splendor of God, of the King of all kings, who is the Holy One, blessed be He, which becomes revealed above during this time of prayer. So during this time of prayer, it's a very special time when God's glory gets revealed at that time above. And not only does it get revealed above, but it also gets revealed even down here to those people who want to, who yearn to see God's glory, um, which garbs invests itself in within the words of the tefillah, within the words of the prayer that are known to all. And that becomes revealed to every single person according to their intellect and according to the root of their soul. So the altar is saying a very deep thing here. He's saying basically during the time of prayer, that's a very special time when God's Shekhinah becomes, first of all, revealed above. Secondly, for anybody who really, really wants to connect in this way, it can be revealed to them during in the, the words of the prayer and even within their, their minds and their souls according to their level. As it says, and here's a quote, another quote from Mitchley chapter 12, verse 8, A man is praised according to the measure of his intellect. So meaning that it's very tailor-made. This is a time to connect with God in a very tailor-made tailor way. And and the altar points out the word Yehulal, and he says that it's actually written as Yehalel, which is like a Yehalel is like a, a verb, which means that it's like somebody is praising. So it's like there's a connection of their individual praise. Like it's he's basically just pointing out the individualistic nature of this praise that it's something very personal here. And now the altar says he says the the supernal the heavenly kingship meaning the kingship of God can be likened to the kingship down here to an earthly king. 
And this is spoken about in the Gemara in Brachos, page 58a. And he says that, why? So he says that a king, it's the custom of a king is to have his might concealed in his innermost chamber with many different guards at the door. So it's like, it's not everybody, you know, gets to see the the king's innermost chamber at any time, right? There's a lot of guards there. Um, but the, and so for certain people, they know that there's like once in a while, the king is going to reveal his glory, reveal this innermost chamber. So many people are going to wait for a really long time for days and years, even in order to see the might and the glory of the king. And so then when the king finally decides to reveal this to everybody and he sends out a message to his entire kingdom that everybody should come and stand before him and he's going to show he sends out this like message, this text message, the WhatsApp message across the world saying, I'm going to reveal the preciousness of my kingship, you know, this like really special thing here, the beauty, the greatness of my beauty and all that. Uh, so anybody who stands at that time, imagine that the king makes this like huge announcement that he's going to do this, right? And he says, I'm going to, you know, imagine like even like this, going back to the concert violinist, imagine that he proclaims, imagine that it's not a secret anymore. He actually says, to, he puts out an announcement, Joshua Bell is going to play a free concert in the subway station. Imagine if with that in mind, you got the memo, you knew this, you appreciate violin music and then you stand in front of this violin violinist and instead of focusing on the violinist you focus on yourself and your own needs so this is what the altar says he says to somebody who's standing in front of the king in this way and doesn't even think about looking at the king but instead is involved with his own things so what is this type of person this type of person is a very lowly and foolish person and very like petty and senseless and he's he's likened to an animal in the in the eyes of all and not only this, this is actually a great dishonor to the king. When he's standing in front of the king, like it's really disrespectful. Imagine like the king is there and you're just like standing there and you're talking about like your grocery list or what you need, what time you need to wake up in the morning or something like that. Um, so he's showing the king basically that he doesn't actually get delight in looking at him at his glory and that he's he enjoys more looking at his own needs and what he needs to do. And not only this, not only is this like just very highly disrespectful, when we're talking about a king here, this is actually a capital offense. You know, nowadays we don't have kings in this way. Uh, even in England, it's not the royal family. It's not like the kings of yore, like in that sense. But, you know, the idea of a real king is like if you were to do this, if you act disrespectfully towards a king, then you yeah, you're liable for the death penalty, right? Um, even nowadays, I mean, if you're disrespectful to a police officer or somebody in authority, you're going to get, you don't get off Scott free for that. Like there are consequences to that. And we know that this is like, because what you're doing is you're not just disrespecting the king, but you're actually doing this in public. Everybody can see that you're doing this. And about this, says the altar rabbi, it's written uh, in, again in Mishlei chapter 3, verse 35, and fools raise their the insult. So again, it's, it's somebody who does this is likened to a fool, meaning to say that Okay, so you're a fool, right? It's one thing to be a fool, but then it's another thing to raise insult to make everybody see that you're a fool, right? So it's like one thing to be stupid, but if you're stupid, then um, you know don't um, don't tell the whole world about it. Like like be stupid in private. Like let's say if you're at if there's a concert again, going back to the analogy of the concert violinist, my analogy of that. Let's say there's a recognition of how great this violinist is, and everybody knows, and the memo was sent out. If you're standing there and you don't appreciate the music. Music because you don't have a good ear for music like 
keep your mouth shut. If everybody else is telling you that this is a virtuoso violinist and people really know about music, just, you know, don't, maybe you don't have to appreciate the music on your own. Maybe you should take time to learn some music appreciation, but keep your mouth shut, you know, and don't make a scene and, and start talking about how bad this violinist is or talk about your own needs or whatever. And now the altar rep is going to go on with this line of reasoning, uh, talking about these kind of people who don't necessarily have this recognition of who they're standing in front of in times of prayer. And how even if we don't have this awareness, even if we're like those people in the subway who have no appreciation, music appreciation at all, and even if somebody were to tell us, you know who that is, that's Joshua Bell, whatever, we like, it wouldn't mean anything to us. Nevertheless, when it comes to us praying before God, even if we don't recognize who we're standing in front of, we don't recognize God's greatness, we should act as if we do. We should pretend that there's a king in the room. We don't know who this king is, but we see everybody else bowing down in front of this king. So we recognize there's something special going on. And in fact, this is something that I actually learned. Uh, I mentioned previously on this podcast, this this safer that I learned out of called uh, about prayer and about, you know, trying to get myself to have more intention when I pray called by Rabbi Gopin. Maybe at some point I'll do another podcast about prayer. You know, and I can take you guys along with me in my journey about developing better intention in prayer. We'll see about that. But anyways, one of the interesting things that uh, that he speaks about in that book is that one of the reasons why we say the blessings before the Shema prayer, which really describe the angels serving God and worshiping God in the way that they do this, is actually to create an environment for us to make us realize like that there's something special going on. Like it's sort of like, just like, you know, let's say if you're walking down the street and you see everybody looking up at the sky and pointing up at the sky, yes, it might be a hoax, right? But as Assuming it's not a hoax, you know, you'd probably look up too. You probably, you know, if you see everybody crowded around in a certain area, clapping their hands or looking and pointing at a certain person in like sort of like a look of like awe and reverence toward a certain person, even if you didn't recognize the person, you might ask, who is this person? Is this a celebrity? Is this a dignitary of some kind? Somebody I don't know, but I should know. Like you want to be in the know, you know, everybody seems to think this person's important. So who is that? So the same thing when it comes to our relationship with God, when we pray, even if we ourselves don't recognize the greatness of God, perhaps by reading the prayer's before Shema, it can give us a little bit of a recognition that like, okay, you know, these angels are behaving in this way. There's something going on here, you know, and that's, that's what the altar app is going to go on uh, now in this second section of the epistle to describe to us that how we should behave. You know, it's like the fake it till you make it kind of thing, how we should behave in prayer, even if we're, we don't actually feel it, if even if we don't actually have this quote unquote music appreciation, you know, the uh, true sensitivity of understanding God and his kingship. So the altar it goes on and he says that for this reason, meaning because of the fact that there are some, if not most people that don't have this, you know, uh, recognition of, of who God is and God being a king, the sages set the prayers up so that we should be as if we are standing in front of a king. This is how they described how we should be during prayer. And this is written in the Gemara and Masechet Brachos, page 33a. So, and if a person can't make it, if, you, if it's really hard for you to visualize that you're standing in front of a king, just like, again, in the analogy of the virtuous violinist, you, you don't have this appreciation. You don't, you can't, you don't see, you're like, okay, God, a king, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. Nevertheless, you should imagine that you are standing 
before a king in the sight of many people who are looking at you. So meaning you should imagine that you're in a public situation where there's a king and people are looking at you. So it's like you kind of like channel that fear of the king towards the fear of people. You don't want to make a fool of yourself. And um, and so even though, says the altar Rabbi, that a fool does not have thought, meaning to say that a fool does not have this recognition of a king, right? That's That's what a fool is. Nevertheless, this is what the prayer is. This is why prayer was instituted in order to to meditate upon this idea. So when we're praying, the altar is saying this is the reason why we pray. The reason for us to pray is to develop this sensitivity to meditate upon these kind of things. And somebody who does not show this, somebody who is who is who uh, does not display the proper uh, respect towards the king, this is guilty of a capital offense. Right. This is right. Like imagine a physical king. If somebody were to just really not act disrespectfully in front of the king, they would be put to death. And so this is why it says in the Zohar that a person who behaves in such a manner brings disgrace into the supernal order and shows that he is separate from holiness and that he has no share of the God of Israel. God forbid. So thus, says the altar of he is here, he's, he says, I'm acting as an agent of the sages of blessed memory. So the sages in, instituted this whole idea of, of thinking of God as a king. So now the altar is taking upon himself to act as an agent of those sages to enact a decree, to act, to be equal for everybody, to not speak about mundane affairs from the moment that the shlech tibor, that the, that the, uh, the chazen, that the, the one leading the prayer begins to to begin the prayers until the end, until the last Kaddish, whether we're talking about Shachris, uh, Arvis, or Mincha, like any of the prayers. So from the beginning of the prayers to the end of the prayers, one should not speak about mundane affairs at all. And somebody who does this intentionally, says the Altar Rebbe, then he should sit on the ground and he should ask three people that sh- uh, to release him from a, uh, from a Nidui, from above, from a supernal excommunication. So this, so it's very intense. Though the altar is basically saying that somebody who does this in a brazenly, uh, overt way, manner, like intentionally, they are going against the rabbis in this way that it sh- they should be liable for excommunication. So they have to sit on the ground and ask for forgiveness from three people to take them away from this uh, decree. And then they have to repent. This person has to repent. And it's, he brings a citation from Yeshayahu, chapter 6, verse 10, where it says, He should repent and he will heal. And then he doesn't have to be excommunicated anymore if he, does, if he repents in this way. And so the reason why it's so easy to repent in this way and he's not excommunicated is because from the beginning, the only, only somebody who is an actual rebel, an actual sinner, that don't care um, about uh, seeking atonement from heaven or anything like that, that they're the type of people that this excommunication really is uh, is um, appropriate for. And so it also speaks, it's, it's also when people do this in a brazen way, in a way that's like really intentional, like they're really just, they really don't care. But somebody who forgets, you know, or somebody who by accident sp- speaks a few words, like this happens, you know, we're all human. Um, he doesn't actually need to be released from excommunication. And then the altar of it, um, concludes with a, with a pasuk from a citation from Tehillim chapter seven, verse 10, where it says, that God, examines the heart of 
the heart and the kidneys of the righteous. So meaning God will know if you're sincere or not. And then he ends with a bracha uh, to uh, that to to his followers, where he says that God should be benevolent um, uh, to those good people and to those who are upright in their hearts. So, meaning to say that, like, okay, yes, he's being very severe here. It is a very intense thing that he's saying that you should not speak during prayer, and if, and this can be make you liable to the point that it can make you liable for uh, excommunication to the point that you really need to sit on the ground and in front of three people ask for forgiveness and to be uh, released from this excommunication. However, he says this really only applies to somebody who does this in a brazen way, in a really, you know, uh, intentional way. We all make mistakes. So if it's just a mistake, if it's just a one-time thing, like you slip and you happen to talk during prayer, don't beat yourself up. It's fine. Uh, don't worry about it. But the basic message is really just to take prayer, the time of prayer, the congregation of prayer a little bit more seriously and give it the respect that it deserves. Just like if you were in a concert hall, and uh, that's my analogy. It's not the whole Trump's analogy, but just like if you were in a concert hall and a violinist was playing, praying, you would give that violinist the respect that he or she deserves, even if you don't actually know what's going on with it. Okay. And with that being said, we are going to con continue tomorrow. We're going to move on to a new epistle, Epistle 25, and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.